Hello, and welcome to Single and Unashamed. My name is Beth, and I'm a Jesus follower who also happens to be single. I have ridden the wild roller coaster that is the emotions around singleness, and I think it's high time that we start talking about it more because the truth is that being single isn't a sin. It isn't a disease, and it doesn't define someone's value. While I've never actually thought it was a sin or a disease, I have doubted my value because of my singleness. And for more of my life than I care to admit, I was rattled with insecurities because I was still single. A lot of this comes from growing up and living in a Christian culture that frankly can idolize marriage. It comes from growing up with practically every movie, TV show, or book I watched or read, having a main plotline of happily ever after. And it comes from me looking for validation and love from a source that was never meant to satisfy me. I may still ride that roller coaster now and then, but I've got a healthier perspective now. A perspective that is rooted in the truth of who I am in Christ. A perspective that doesn't begrudge the story that God is writing with me. A perspective that has allowed me to fully enjoy life as it is, as a single woman, rather than waiting for it to magically start when I get married. I know I can't help every teen, college student, or yearning adult avoid all the heartbreak and tears I've experienced along the way, but I can start the conversation so hopefully more people can stop waiting for life to start when they finally get married and start living a full life now, single and unashamed. Each episode, I'll be having a conversation with a new guest talking about their experience with singleness, with the hope that these conversations will bring you closer to the truth that nothing is wrong with you if you are single and that you find people to relate to and learn from. And our guest today is Stacia. Uh, I first met Stacia because she was a volunteer in a ministry I worked for. And after knowing her for several years and knowing she was also single, I got up the courage to ask her about her experience with singleness because at the time it was something I was struggling with. And it was a really helpful conversation for me at that point in my journey. And so now many years later, here we are again having another conversation. Um, So without further ado, Stacia, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. And I will just be honest with you when I say that you know, the Lord has been putting these kind of conversations on my heart. So when you called, I thought, oh, isn't that like the Lord puts it on your heart? He opens the doors. So all glory to him and very thankful to him and very thankful for what you're doing, because I think it is very much needed in both the single world and the married world uh, alike. So I love it. Awesome. That's so exciting. Well, go ahead and give uh, the listeners a little intro about yourself. Okay. Well, as you know, my name is Stacia. I'm 53. I live in Denver, Colorado, and I grew up here, but then I spent about 10 years in San Diego at college and beyond, um, and then moved to Tucson, Arizona, 10 years there, working for Enterprise Rent-A-Car throughout those. And in the 1997, the Lord very clearly led me to Youth with a Mission, and I thought, great, he's bringing me back to Denver, but he actually moved me to Perth. Okay, no distractions as far as family and friends. You are going to the other side of the world. And then following YWAM, I did move back to Denver to be near family and in the snow. And I will say this, in each one of those seasons from San Diego to Tucson to YWAM 
the early years in Denver, I thought, oh, this is the place mm. where I'm going to meet my husband. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. Now I have my own business. It's called Pain Free Clinic of Denver. I help people that have chronic or recurring pain through what we call posture therapy. And it's exercises that just help you get realigned and feel better and move better. And yeah. So it is all good. And it snowed here yesterday. So even better. Yay. Yes. Yeah. So I knew Stacia when I was in Denver and uh, we were just chatting about how jealous I am, but she's got snow out her window since I'm in Oklahoma and that's a, a rare thing down here. I do miss it for sure. Um, well, I would love, uh, you know, you did, you gave a great intro there, but um, would love people just to hear a little bit more about something you're passionate about. So whether that's something silly or serious, uh, go ahead and tell us something you're passionate about. Okay. The silly part is snow. I love snow. Um, the serious part is when I went to YWAM, I really thought I need to find my purpose. What is my purpose on this earth? I have no idea. I have nothing actually that I'm really passionate about. And, you know, I read all the great books, all what I was told were great books, purpose driven life, et cetera, et cetera. But what I found in going to YWAM is we all have one main purpose is to know God and make him known. And that is my passion, to know him, mm -hmm. to read his word, to seek him out, to seek more of his spirit, to hear more, to see more. And I'm passionate about sharing the gospel and sharing the truth with believers to encourage and with unbelievers that they may know the truth. Amen. That's awesome. Man, this feels like a little bit of a, a quick shift to go from like <laughs> that that incredible passion to let's do some silly rapid fire question. Um, That's good. But I, I do love this portion. So are you ready for these? Oh, I have no idea. Let's see. Hit me with your best <laughs> shot. <laughs> ready or not, right? Okay. Um, all right. Since we're about to hit Halloween, what's your favorite candy? Okay, my favorite candy bar is a Snickers, and I eat it, the bottom half, and then the top half. What? <laughs> like, bite by bite, little you bottom eat half the bite, nougat. little top half bite. Yeah. Okay, okay. It's weird and interesting, but it's good. So not quite like a corn on the cob. That's kind of what I was picturing. Yeah, a little, no. you do the bottom and the little top. Little bit. <laughs> That's a first. <laughs> yes, a good. First. Good. I love it. Um, best costume costume you've ever worn. Okay, best costume I've ever worn. Me and two of my friends dressed up as the Aha uh -huh Girls from that Pepsi commercial. Remember that? So we had our little sparkly dresses. We had these black wigs and black tights, and carried around our little Pepsi can all night and. We had a lot of fun. That was a good That's costume. That so was fun. I love group costumes. Yes, I they're, do too. They're way better than single costumes. Yeah, just yeah, one off. Yeah, yeah. I think I might know your answer to this based off of your love of snow, but what's your favorite season? Well, you would think it'd be winter, but I really think that it is fall because you still have summer. So I still have the green grass, the green trees, and then the trees are turning. And the weather's not 90 and 95, it's 70s. When we get yeah. lucky, it's 60s. So fall is my favorite. 
Yeah. Or maybe even summer second. Unless it's okay. not every single day. Then it then it might be winter. Last rapid fire question. What's a movie that you can watch over and over and over again? Gladiator. Oh, I love that movie. Yes. I knew there's a reason we're friends. <laughs> <laughs> Snow and Gladiator. And above all, of yes. course, Jesus, but um, yes. lesser things. Snow and Gladiator. Gladiator is great. The movie itself is great. The music is great. Absolutely. Highly recommend if no one's ever seen it. You do have to be okay with gore. There's quite you a do. bit of blood. All right. Well, let's transition to why we're really here. Um, and Stacia, go ahead and talk about uh, your experience with singleness just throughout several different seasons of your life. Yeah, I was thinking about this, as you just said, seasons in places and seasons. And I think I would say I've had my fair share of ups and downs, I think like everybody. And like everybody in any trial in their life. So whether the trial is singleness or the trial is something else, you're going to have your ups and downs in it. And I think actually in the long run, um, you know that it's God's grace to help you grow in just trusting him and being content in whatever circumstances. So I'd say in my 20s, my early 20s, even early 30s, that was probably the hardest season because like a number of your other guests have said, it's your friends are all getting married. And then friendships are changing because it's not just you hanging out with your single friends. Obviously, they're married and they have other things going on. And um, I think that's the hardest season in general is those younger years. And as I got older, maybe the harder parts were the romantic holidays, like New Year's Eve, Valentine's Day, and you kind of feel like, oh, this is lonely, and it's hard, and I wish I had what they had. And at the same time, my friends would say, Stacia, my married friends, it is not all it's cracked up to be. Like anything else, when you put all your stock in something that you don't have, and either you get it or somebody else who's got it tells you, it's not all it's cracked up to be. Um, but those times can still be hard because it just puts your focus on it. And that's probably really the answer is where does your focus go? And when your focus goes to that, I'm lonely, I don't have this, I don't have that. Well, obviously we know like Peter walking on the water, you, you sink, your heart sinks and your thoughts and your feelings sink till you get your eyes back on the Lord. Um, yeah. Then I... <laughs> I thought I can remember back then thinking, I feel like I've been sidelined. And why am I on the sideline? Am I on the sideline because I'm not smart enough? I'm not pretty enough. I'm not enough. And, you know, why did my sister get all the flirting genes? And I got none. I literally, I don't even know how to flirt. <laughs> <laughs> but she, she's got them. And we've, you know, tried to rub off, but it doesn't work that way. Anyway, um, you know, and that feeling sidelined is hard. But again, I think that can go to any trial we have. You know, for people that have health trials, you feel sidelined. For people that have a hard marriage, you can feel lonely. Where you feel like you shouldn't feel lonely because you're in a marriage, but you still feel lonely. So just keeping our eyes, I think, off of our circumstances, the waves and the wind is helpful. Yeah. You had said in your intro, too, that every season that you had, not every season, but as you kind of moved, right, San Diego, YWAM, Denver, that you had that thought of, okay, 
this is, this is it. This is where this is going to happen. And I can fully relate to that. Every move I had, every kind of community transition I had, I had that thought. And I'm curious, how did you, especially as your perspective matured and changed um, over those different seasons, how did you go about handling that thought and um, anything that you actively did to kind of help you not get like not spiral from that? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, when I moved to Tucson, you know, and then, and the other thing is, is people are saying, Oh, this is where it's going to happen for you. Oh, the Lord's going to bring you somebody in Tucson. Oh, the Lord's going to bring you somebody in YWAM. And a sweet lady in YWAM said, Stacia, I know, you know, the Lord knows the desires of your heart and you see everybody else dating around here. It's going to happen for you. And that was in 2007. Well, it hasn't. And she's not God. Mm. She's a very sweet heart with great intentions. And if Lord wants to bring it someday, he will. But I think, you know, you have people telling you that and you walk into it. And because that's what we, what I didn't have, I think in part, that was a focus like, okay, this should happen for me now because it is part of God's plan. And it may or may not be part of God's plan for me. And I think the biggest part in terms of how do, how did I learn to walk through it is just trying to get scripture in my mind and praying and saying, okay, Lord, you have me here. And the truth is in your sovereignty, you know where I live, you know where I work, you know where I go to the gym, you know where I shop. So if you want to bring somebody, you bring it. And this is after I had tried all the, you know, not all, but a couple online dating things, which there's some pretty funny dating stories about that. But, you know, it didn't work out for me and it has worked out for other people. Um, yeah. So nothing against it. But anyway, just saying, okay, God, you are sovereign. I don't need to strive. Cease striving. Okay, I'm going to cease striving. I'm not trying. I'm just going to be and trust you. And when it's hard or sad, I just have to still fight to say, but God is with me. I mean, that's what Paul says. Be content in all things because I will never leave you nor forsake you. And not because I will give you success. Not because the husband is coming or the wife for somebody, for a guy is coming. But because I, your creator and sustainer, I will never leave you or forsake you. So, and that's a battle. It's not like I remember that verse. I'm like, oh, great. I'm all good. It's a battle. But you got to battle with the truth. And yeah, let the other stuff fall away. Yeah. So um, I, you know, had a, a similar experience in terms of I had, I was in Denver and I was kind of in a point of transition or wanting some transition work-wise and had an opportunity um, to potentially move somewhere and move somewhere rural. And I was, that was like number one on my con list was there's no way I could meet somebody. Like how in the world could I meet somebody? Like there's less, there's just less options. And so, and I, you know, for following the Lord and not for that reason, did I not take that job at that time? But then ended up being, I think six years later, the Lord actually brought me back to New Life Ranch and we are in a very lower populated place. We're kind of in the middle between, you know, Northwest Arkansas and Tulsa. And so really when I tried some online dating, you're looking at driving 
or somebody else driving um, quite a quite a distance. But when I had that transition the second time, I had come to that conclusion of, okay, well, if the Lord has a husband for me in my future, it's not going to matter if I'm in the most populated place or the least populated place because I've been in Denver for 10 years and have not found my husband. And so that is not the answer. And so, um, yeah, I just, I relate to where the Lord got you to of, it's not about you putting yourself in the right position, in the right place, in the right circumstance. If you're like being healthy and following the Lord, and this is not something that he has for you, not a relationship he has for you, you cannot make it happen. Nope. And when you really try to make it happen, you could end up in something that is far worse than being here. Yep. Single. Seeking the Lord. Doing what he's got for you to do. So it's a blessing, really. To rest, cease striving and rest. Yeah. You've said this cease striving a couple of times, and that is something that I have kind of come to really embrace since January, I think, um, into this new kind of season of ceasing striving. I wonder, have you ever had anyone, as you've maybe talked about that, posture um, that's addressed it as, oh, you're giving up. Mm. You know, I don't think anybody has ever said that to me, but maybe, I, maybe people have thought it like, oh, that's just the easy way out in case it doesn't happen. That's just the easy way out for her to not have to try. And then I think, well, fine. Think that. That's fine. And listen, let me just back up and say ceasing striving. And knowing that he has got is an hourly battle for me. So it's not just like I got it. <laughs> I don't got it. Um, but if somebody thinks, oh, you're just giving up. So what? So what? And I actually, that's true. I have had some people who, again, they love you. They care about you. You need to be out more. You need to go out and do these things. And you need to put yourself out there and get out even, you know, Go out to bars and restaurants. There's other Christians at bars and you can meet them there. And I'm thinking, I don't want to meet them there. I want to meet them. Not there. (laughs) There's a lot of other places I could meet them. That's just not high on my list. And, you know, you need to join more clubs and do these things. And I think, I just don't care that much. And if God wants me to do it, he will even put that on my heart. I said, I will never, three things. I will never live in Arizona 10 years. I will never be a missionary, YWAM and some other things. And I will never live with my parents. And guess what? And it's been a massive blessing. When I came back from YWAM, I moved in with my parents. And I said, I will never do that. My siblings all did that. And uh, yeah, I'll just make my own way. Oh, please. So I lived in Arizona. I was a missionary. I lived with my parents. And you know what a gift this is? I'm not lonely. I'm not living by myself. I have my best friends. We take care of each other and it's a huge blessing in my life. So I don't need to chase after these things. If God wants it, he's going to bring it. If God doesn't want it, it's not going to come. Yeah, absolutely. 
And I, I loved what you said at the beginning of um, not putting all our stock in something that we don't have. And I think that, you know, I hear, I hear that in your story. I can, I can resonate with that in my story. Um, and as I talk to people who are struggling with their singleness, I hear, I hear the opposite of that, of putting mm-hmm. all their stock in something that they don't have. And man, it will, it will just pull you down um, into a deep, dark pit and keep you there. Yes, it will. It will, because your eyes suddenly are all in here, what you don't have, and you're, you know, in you, and you're no longer satisfied with what the Lord has. And that's one is freedom is the satisfaction. And one is bondage is the I don't have this and I want it. And I don't have this and I want it. Yeah. Uh, Do you have, as you've talked about, ceasing striving being hourly, daily battle, do you have any like spiritual practices or, yeah, anything that you do to help when you are feeling it as a struggle? Yeah, I have actually just on my phone a bunch of scriptures because the striving is usually fear, whether it's fear of I'm not going to succeed or fear of what's happening in the world and how can I control that or fear of anything. It's just my do not fear. And, you know, there's Isaiah 12 too. Behold, my God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord is my strength and my strong and my song, and he has become my salvation. Therefore, you will joyously draw water from the springs of salvation. Like, I don't need anything else. It's the Lord. First uh, Chronicles 29, 11 through 13. I won't read it all. Uh, Psalm 46, 1 through 3. Isaiah 51, 7 and 8. Isaiah 43, 1 through 10. But do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, and you are mine. And when we remember who God is, all of his glory like there was nothing and then he created everything and if I pick up a pinch of sand at the beach I could never count the grains and he knows the sands across the whole entire earth and the number of hair on my head all these things so who am I to fear or who am I to say how why'd you make me like this why'd you make my life like this and then you just think okay one he is awesome two I am his so I can rest in that. But for me, not only reading those, reading them out loud and putting, you know, an emphasis on some of the words or going through and putting an emphasis on the different words and then praying the scripture, that's where I find the healing. And it doesn't usually just take five minutes. It takes some time. Yeah, absolutely. I think we can, in our very instant society, become defeated really quickly when we aren't seeing relief from pain or disappointment or we're having to wrestle with something longer than you know five minutes yeah we're just used to instant results whatever that is and pain grief wrestling with something you know wrestling especially those things that hold you captive you know whether that's um you know, fear or disappointment or something different, right? Like that is not going to come easy. It's not going to come quickly. It is the diligence Mm -hmm. of, okay, I'm battling it now and I'm battling it for a long time. Okay. I found some relief. Okay. It's back. I'm battling it now again. 
Um, yeah, but I think we've done our dis- ourselves a disservice thinking mm-hmm. that it should come, relief should come quickly. Yes. Especially, I had this with a with a different you know struggle in my life. I was really burnt out, and I thought because I was abiding in the Lord, I was reading Scripture, I was praying and spending time with Him. Right, like I was turning to Him. I felt like I was doing the right thing, and I was doing the right thing, but I wasn't feeling better. And I, in that moment, felt like I was doing something wrong because what I was doing, if it was the right thing, then it should be giving me relief. Yes. And I think that I, yeah, I think we can get that way with our singleness and that's just not always the immediate case. Right. And it's the fight of faith, you know, in a fight, sometimes they're one punch knockouts, but usually the fight of faith is we're fighting. We're fighting the lies that we're hearing. We're fighting the cultural myths. We're fighting even the myths within the church and about anything about your health, wealth, and prosperity, or about marriage is the end all be all, especially for women. Yeah. We're fighting those things with faith, knowing that God is the one who's going to do what he's going to do in our lives. And we're meant to seek him, know him and make him known. So the rest seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, not seek first who you're going to marry. Seek first, having kids seek first having a great successful career where you make a lot of money and oh so that you can give a lot of money i mean none of those things is seek first all those things are added by god when god wants to add them if that's part of his plan for your life absolutely well that's a good transition you kind of mentioned some of the stigmas in the church about singleness what are some of those things that you've experienced a lot in your life come across a lot as um yeah just the stigma of singleness in the church yeah i mean you know you grow up and you think this is it you grow up you go to college you get married you have a family and that's just how life is and especially in the church you know i think i'll just say in relation to my church i think in recent years there has been a lot more I don't know, openness to being single, not like they were close to it before, but I just feel like it's easily accepted the word, but I'm well loved in my church for who Mm -hmm. I am and in my singleness. And I think early when I early went to that church and other churches, the whole thing is, oh, who are you going to marry? And when are you going to get married? And oh, who have you dated? And, you know, marriage is... Uh, where everybody should be. So I think they've transitioned well, and that's by the the Lord and the leading of the Spirit into, I don't know, I guess just being more open or more understanding. I don't even know the right word to use, but it, anyway, it's great. I'm thankful. I'm yeah, very great. thankful for my church. Um, but, you know, I'll share two stories. So first story is I was at a wedding of a young woman who was in my high school group, and Somebody there, an older woman, she came up to me. She's like, oh, Stacia, there is still hope for you. And I thought, are you kidding me? Uh, And I smiled. I mean, it was funny to me. That's how inane that comment was. Thankfully, it didn't pierce my heart. I wanted to roll my eyes, but I didn't roll my eyes either. I just said, yeah, you're totally right. And it's Jesus. It's not a man. 
So I'm good. And you're right. There's hope for me. But you think, dear Lord, on what level do you think that is even appropriate comment? Absolutely. And then another woman, and this woman with a really sweet heart and really sweet intent, knew of a man whose wife had passed away and he had four children. And she said, can I introduce, and the, the wife had just passed away. Oh no. And he's in a, she's in a different, he's in a different state. Can I introduce you to this man? He, those kids need a mama. And I was like, I'm not sure what to say to that either. I'm, I said, sure, let me pray about it, which was just probably, I don't know what else to say in that moment besides absolutely not. Uh, so I'll just try to be kind and just say no later. And, you know, and it again comes from a well-meaning heart, but sometimes well-meaning hearts think marriage is the goal and it is not the goal. And it's super important for the church to know that God is sovereign. I mean, even Paul said, if you can remain unmarried, do so. And that, not just so you have freedom, because I feel like I do have a lot of freedom as a single, but so that you can serve him and serve the body. So those are some of the things. But I, again, I'm thankful that it's not so much that way in my church. So, you know, you, you just gave some really great stories. By great, I mean, funny and yes, ridiculous. <laughs> How do you wish people would respond? You know, I think this, when anybody is living for the Lord uh, and you see the Lord in their life, it's it's what their life is all about, then I don't think you should necessarily question where the Lord has them. So saying for somebody to tell me, they should, the Lord has you here. For his reason and his purposes, and he is good. That is so comforting to me in the times that I think, oh, what have I done? And I have some really close friends that when I feel, you know, oh, I'm a loser, I live with my parents. Oh, I'm a loser, I'm not married. Oh, I'm a loser, I'm not a billionaire, or whatever. That they say, well, 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 the Lord has you here. It is for his plans and purposes. I see you living those things out. That's not saying I'm perfectly living these things out. And if I'm in sin, yeah, I want you to call me out on it. But praise God, singleness is not a sin. And it's not something that has to be fixed by people. And it's not even something that has to be fixed by God. Um, I just think that's it. You see people where they're at. And again, if they're not in sin, then you praise the Lord for where they are and you encourage them where they are. I love that. You've got some good friends. I'd have some very good friends. Yeah. That's awesome. You know, we have, we have talked about this kind of all throughout, but any specific ways that you have seen or felt the Lord in your journey of singleness specifically? That's a good question because I obviously we know he's been in it throughout. And I'd say, you know, what we have to look for, I'm studying Ruth right now a lot. And there's this awesome study tool, preceptaustin.org. Anyway, so I'm in there and I'm just reading different sermons and different things about the book of Ruth. And, you know, one sermon that was Charles Spurgeon. So she's he talks about her being a gleaner and she's going out and she's finding the little bits. Okay. She's not in the beginning getting the sheaves and getting everything. She's finding the little bits and she's rejoicing in the little bits and she's doing the work to get the little bits. And that's not to say I'm, you know, to strive. 
She wasn't striving. She's doing her due diligence, her responsibility. So God has given me little bits throughout, you know, whether it's close friends when I lived in Tucson that brought me into their families. I had a, a handful of them, whether it was moving here and having my family close by that is such a blessing, whether it's the friends and my church. So you have to go out and glean and use the things God gives you. So he's given me all those, let's just call it pleasures and gifts and, and what brings me joy. Um, and then just gleaning through his word and gleaning through sermons that you, you have abundance because our Boaz is a much greater Boaz. And okay, Boaz didn't like pick Ruth and say, I pick you and then marry her and then just have a disdain for her and not provide for her. He always provided for her. And our Boaz is greater married or unmarried. Our Boaz is much greater. So I just think all of those little things, you got to look at not the hardship, but what is the Lord providing in the midst of what's difficult for us? Yeah. Amen. You mentioned at the beginning uh, or somewhere in the, in the beginning about having some funny online dating experiences. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. you can, you can share stories if you want or not. Uh, but I am interested. What has dating looked like for you? Okay. So let's go back to my sister got all the flirting genes, my other sister somewhere in between the two and I have zero. So the only way I'll ever get married is marrying somebody who's a, my best friend. That's the only way that's going to work. However, at the, you know, my, my, the desire was I got to find somebody and I got to work to do it. And people like, oh, you got to do eHarmony and you got to do match. And so I did those things. And I'll tell you one match they gave me was on the guy's site. It said, and this is, I was in Colorado at this point. What do you like to do? I like to drink beer and fish. What's the last book you read? I don't read much. I'm thinking, oh, why did you match me? And they must have matched me because we both liked 80s music. We both liked dogs and we both liked the Broncos. That is insane. You cannot match me with someone who likes to drink beer and fish and doesn't want to read. So that was one. We never obviously went on a date. That was a quick delete. Um, and, you know, the dates, they just weren't that fun. So I'm not really a big dater, I'm, you know, and I'm not looking to go out and get a lot of dates. So I, you know, what's my experience with it? Minimal. And sometimes that too, I'm, you know, it's a struggle. Like, why is it minimal? Why aren't you putting yourself out there? If you're fearful and holding back, you shouldn't be. And then I think, wait, Lord, you knit me together. So either you change me or you bring somebody or whatever, but you do it. Because me trying to figure it all out stresses me out. I don't need yeah. that in my life. I just don't. I don't want it. I don't need it. I want what you have. Yeah. yeah. Well, any last bits of advice for anyone listening, whether they're single or they're married and just hoping to love their single friends well? Yeah, I would say three things. One, to everyone. Let's all remember that God is loving, full of loving kindness, sovereign. He plans our days before one came to be. So don't judge someone's singleness. Don't say, you know, there's another comment I hear all the time that, you know, oh, yeah, well, that's why that guy is single. You can see why. Or that's why that girl is single. You can see why. 
And when I'm in the vicinity and somebody says that, I'm like, so why am I single? What's wrong with me? And oh, no, no, God is totally using you where you are. We're not talking about you. And I'm like, to be honest with you, you are talking about me because you're talking about anyone that's single. And this is why they're single. But there's a lot of married people that have the same attributes as that person, but they're married. So please refrain from saying, oh, you can totally see why that girl is single, why that guy is single. To singles, I just say the same thing that I tell myself. Our purpose is to know God and make him known and seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And he will grow us in our walk with him. And maybe he brings somebody. Amen. Maybe he doesn't bring somebody. The amen should be equal to us. And Paul says, in your singleness, you have all this extra time, which of course I feel like, what extra time? I don't have any extra time. But you have all this extra time and use it to serve, to serve Christ, to serve the body, to serve in your church. And uh, to marrieds, I would just say, don't forget to include singles in outings, have them over for dinner. And especially on weekends, I'm not saying this for me because I'm with my family and everything, but when I lived by myself in Tucson, you know, Fridays and Saturdays could be lonely when you sometimes wrongly think everybody else is out having fun and doing cool things and I'm here by myself. But to marrieds, one, don't say no wonder that person's single, and two, invite them into your home, even if you're having three couples and a single, whatever. People are people. Yeah. And, you know, just love one another. Absolutely. Amen and amen. Well, Stacia, thank you so much for making the time um, to reconnect and have this conversation and for, yeah, just sharing your journey and your story um, because the Lord has definitely worked in and through you. And I'm confident that he's going to work through your story as well. To our listeners, I do hope you were encouraged. And I certainly hope that the conversation wouldn't stop here. If you are single and feel ashamed by that, I pray that you would dig in with God and your trusted friends to start a journey towards freedom from that shame. Because friend, you are valued and loved regardless of your relationship status. I promise you. All right, we'll catch you on another episode of Single and Unashamed.